Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with Roland Warren, CareNet's President and CEO, and Vincent DeCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer. CareCast and more pro-abundant life commentary from CareNet can be found at care-net.org, where you can watch videos, download eBooks, and subscribe to the Abundant Life blog. Now let's listen in on what Roland and Vince have for us this week on CareCast. Well, Roland, we're here. We are back for another episode of CareCast. Yes, we're, absolutely. Uh, we're recording this in the in the dead of summer. Yes. Um, it's it's quite cool here in the studio. It's hotter than two biscuits. It's hotter than two biscuits. Two biscuits. I've never heard that one before. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah, two biscuits. I like that. Not in the studio, but outside. <laughs> All right. Here in the studio, it's probably a cool 72 degrees, but yeah. I think outside it's about 100 degrees. Yeah. 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 That's right. uh, that's two biscuits. That's, so is that, does that mean that one biscuit is only 50 degrees? Pretty much. <laughs> but although it's not, I mean, it's not that precise of a size. <laughs> On the biscuit scale, but, right? Uh, okay, well, but that's good to know. That's good to know. I, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm gonna have to look that one up afterwards. Um, you will. <laughs> two biscuits, but anyway, we have some stuff to talk about here mm-hmm. on Carecast. Um, it's uh, you know, like I said, it's we're in the summer here. We're still sort of in the midst of uh, the coronavirus thing, still shaping a lot of what's going on in our in our country. Um, there's a lot of things going on around race relations as well right. here in the summer of 2020. Um, so in that environment, uh, there's quite a lot of interesting news happening around the life issue. Um, one of those pieces of news was that Planned Parenthood of Greater New York has announced that they are removing Margaret Sanger's name from the building of one of their abortion clinics in New York. Yep. Um, so Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Uh controversial figure, at least controversial in some circles. Um, She uh, was involved in the eugenics movement in the early to mid uh, 20th century. Um, She passed away in 1966, so a little bit before Roe versus Wade came out. Um, But, uh, you know, she's the subject of a lot of conversation in the pro-life movement. Um, So it's very interesting that Planned Parenthood finally decided to take her name off off of a building and um, yeah, you know, and, and in New York, and, and in New York, right? Yeah, which is which know, is the, where she started. She actually yeah. she at, op- opened her first clinic. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess at the time it was considered sort of a birth control clinic in Brooklyn, right? Actually, yeah. Um, and so yeah, so right on her, you know, kind of her home turf, so to speak. Her her name has been taken off this building. Now, like I said, we're in an environment right now where that's that sort of thing is happening quite a bit right right now. Lots of statues are being torn down all over the place. Uh, statues of people who some view as being representative of views that are we find offensive today. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me is just thinking that Planned Parenthood is basically bowing to that sort of cultural pressure, you know, to remove symbols and names and statues of people who think things that we don't really b- agree with nowadays. Um, but they did release a, you know, a, a public statement about why they removed her name from their building. And, you know, it was obviously a very carefully prepared remark for the yeah. media. But I think we can, you know, we can kind of learn some things from it. And I'll I'll read that statement. It was actually from Karen Seltzer, who is the board chair of Planned Parenthood of Greater New York. And she said, uh, the removal of Margaret Sanger's name from our building is both a necessary and overdue step to reckon with our legacy and acknowledge Planned Parenthood's contributions to historical reproductive harm within communities of color. So. Wow. The one thing that we noted was the use of the word historical. What do you think about that? 
Well, yeah, it's interesting to me, you know, and for those who, who know me and have seen me, I'm a black man. So <laughs> and I'm like this all day. I could see you right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah. All day. Every day. Every every 24-7. I saw you yesterday. And I was black then. You were? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you tomorrow. I'll be black then. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it's interesting for me because there, there are uh, folks uh, in the pro-life movement or pro-abundant life movement, as we talk about it, uh, that are that look like me, uh, mm-hmm. that have had a problem with this for a long, long time and have been trying to talk about the fact that, you know, Margaret Sanger has a legacy um, that is racist in terms of... Um, in terms of what she stood for and her whole perspective about, you know, basically there are too many of these kind of people mm-hmm. and we want to, you know, figure out a way to make sure there's not more. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's part of the, the history of Planned Parenthood and the history of, of Margaret Sanger. And they've embraced that history in the past. In fact, I think their highest award mm-hmm. uh, was the Margaret Sanger Award. Mm-hmm. They right. gave it uh, recently, I guess they gave it to uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's gotten it, Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi, I and mean, there are others, but those right. are certainly notable ones that are out there. And interestingly, they stopped giving it in 2015, and the last person they gave it to was to a black man, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is mm-hmm. also ironic mm-hmm. why they stopped. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably strategic at, at, at some level that they uh, that they did that. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I first heard about this, it just it reminded me, I guess it made me think about, you know, sort of renaming Auschwitz. Right. Mm-hmm. Auschwitz. While you're still holding the Jews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 I mean, it, it, yeah. it, you think about it. It's mm-hmm. like, well, we've, we've named the place. It's now called something else. But but but. You, you still have prisoners. You, you still have prisoners. Yeah. The essence of what you're doing is still the same. So mm-hmm. really, is the rename, does it mean anything? And mm-hmm. I think from their perspective, it's not about what they've been, the historical aspect of, of Margaret Sanger. I think it's the present mm-hmm. legacy that they live out every single day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when they uh, support uh, the abortion of black babies. Right. And, you know, it's just quite incredible. And, and all babies for that matter, but yeah. specifically in terms of this. Right, right, exactly. And, and you know, if you look at the national data around abortion, about, you know, 40% some odd of abortions are in the African-American community, which only makes up about 13% of the population of the country. So obviously there's a disproportionate number of, a- of abortions in the African-American community. And, and actually in New York City, there's more black babies aborted each year than are born alive, which is just kind of a remarkable... It is and, a remarkable sad statistic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I think the other thing, too, I mean, when you unpack abortion, you look at this, I mean, you, you kind of break it down and get out of the politics, get the politics out of it and everything else. I mean, there's a certain perspective that you have to have if you're aborting a child or if you're supporting that, right? And it's basically that this child coming into the world is a net negative, mm-hmm. that nothing good can come from this child, mm-hmm. which is certainly the eugenics perspective, right? Right, sure. This child is a net negative, nothing good, can come from this child. And I always sort of use sort of the thought experiment that, you know, if a woman was uh, about to have an abortion and right as the doctor's ready to do the procedure, someone comes in and says, wait, before you do the procedure, I got some news. We just found out that the child that she's about ready to abort by the time uh, he or she is 17 is going to be the richest person in the world. We can continue. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that the woman might say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) Right. Wait, the richest person in the world? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you think she's going to go forward with that abortion? Mm-hmm. I don't right. think so. Now, her present circumstance didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. All the challenges that are there that, that, that make mm-hmm. abortion seem like it's the only option all exist. But what changed? Mm-hmm. The value of the child. Mm-hmm. Right. That the child went from being a net negative to a net positive. Mm-hmm. Now, when you unpack that and you think about it in the context of race, if 
black people are 13% of the population and 30% of the abortions, 30 plus percent of the abortions. What that basically means is Mm -hmm. that there's a view Mm -hmm. that black children on average are more likely to be a net negative. Right. Right. Than any other child. Yeah. And black people have been convinced that that's the case, mm-hmm. that nothing good can come from our children. Mm-hmm. And the white community and other communities, for that matter, or anyone, I probably not even race perspective, but anyone who's supporting that perspective is also co-signing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Right. And to me, that mm-hmm. lines up very nicely with what Margaret Sanger thought. Mm-hmm. She right. thought the same thing when she looked through certain communities, mm-hmm. communities based on economics or based right. on race. She looked at this, she did the exact same calculus. Yep. She looked and said, you know what, as I look out through this community, Y- all y'all, y'all and all y'all are more of a net negative, and so we right. want less of you. Yeah, yeah. And so that legacy is still a legacy that exists. Yeah. And when you're aborting black children, yeah, you're reinforcing that and you're celebrating that legacy. Right. Uh, in that in that context. Right. Right. So obviously, Planned Parenthood and its proponents would argue that it's not they're not being intentionally racist. That right. they're not racist. The people who work there aren't racist. You know. All, all of these sorts of things. So the fact that there are more black ba- babies being aborted or disproportionate numbers of black babies being aborted is not because of racism, right? right? And I think we, there's a couple of ways of basically kind of discussing why that actually doesn't really matter. Right. So, <laughs> so one of them is this idea that, you know, Planned Parenthood views abortion as a morally neutral, neutral consumer product that women want and need. Yep. So if you kind of think about it from sort of an economic perspective— Planned Parenthood is your is your classic profiteer, right? Right. They're going to put their product or their service in an area where the, the demand is highest. Yes. And so they look out at the market and they say demand is going to be highest in that neighborhood, that low income inner city neighborhood where there's you know more demand for abortion. So let's put put our clinics there, right? Yeah. And so you end up with that. And then I think the idea that really sort of kind of makes it not, quote-unquote, not matter, whether it's intentional racism or not, is this idea of dis- disparate impact. Yes. Why don't you talk about disparate impact? Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. And I think that's a really critical point. Going back to your first point, mm-hmm. and the other thing, that if you're a marketer that you do, is you put your, your product, right, mm-hmm. where there's a bigger demand, but you also do things to create the bigger demand. Right, that is true. Very right. much you so. create so you do that. So that's so you create a culture. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you've got to convince black women mm-hmm. That nothing good's going to come from your womb on average compared to other folk. Right, right. That's about building that demand, mm-hmm. increasing the sexualization, mm-hmm. and then also ha- right. just all that stuff because we've got this clear. So we're saying, well, we're we're meeting a demand, but mm-hmm. you're also building that demand yeah. by supporting a worldview that leads someone to basically to your door. Right. right? And, and a lot of folks have pointed out a lot of the programs yes. that Planned Parenthood does in schools and other places yes. uh, that could, one could argue that they would contribute to a culture in which more unplanned pregnancies are going to occur, right? Go figure. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. So creating that, demand, right? Cr- creating demand. Yeah. It's just a, if it's a morally neutral consumer product, that, there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's right. how you think about it. Sure. Any consumer products company thinks about it exactly the same way. We want to meet that demand, but we also want to increase that demand so that we can meet that demand. Right. It's a cycle. Right. Now, in terms of dis- disparate impact, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, as I started to think about this, you know, you hear... Um, that kind of conversation coming up with, with things like, uh, let's say, voter ID cards. Right. Right. So right. you hear people talk about that and say, you know, one group of people would say, well, we, we think everyone who votes should have a voter ID card. Mm-hmm. And then there's other the other side that will challenge that. Mm-hmm. And and the one side that supports it says, well, you know, and, and they challenge it based on, well, you know, certain people uh, are less likely to have voter ID cards. Mm-hmm. 
generally they talk about in terms of race or economics, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 the people who are supporting say, well, yeah, but we're not framing this from the perspective of race or economics. We want everybody to have one. And what they say is, oh no, even though you're not framing it that way. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a disparate impact on this group of people, mm-hmm. and as a result, therefore we, it's bad. We therefore shouldn't do it's it. bad. And frankly, some courts have ruled that way right. using ex- that exact same logic. So mm-hmm. even though your intent is not this, the outcome is, mm-hmm. and because the outcome is this way, something must be done to change it, stop it, whatever. Exactly. Right. And so, in the case of abortion in the black community, even if even if Planned Parenthood is not their intent is not to make sure that more black babies are aborted. The reality is that more black babies are being aborted. Disproportionate numbers of black babies are being aborted. So their Planned Parenthood's business, their logic, their culture yep. is having a disparate negative impact on the African-American community. Absolutely. And it's going to take more than just renaming an auditorium or whatever they renamed. Yeah, the building, or the abortion clinic building. All yeah. of that to yep. erase that. And and, and really a, a real reckoning would mean mm-hmm. be understanding that. And they would be doing things to, to kind of create that narrative, which obviously means that they would have to stop the very thing that they have built their whole organization on, which is essentially abortion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's the, you know, sacred cow, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, for for Planned Parenthood, it's it's the hill they will die on every single day. It's the litmus test that they put before every single politician, mm-hmm. um, and it's who they are. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. and that who they are is absolutely who Margaret Singer was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so from our view, as you said, it, it's going to take more than renaming things. There has to be some sort of at least. I mean, starting just with an acknowledgement. Yeah. That this is not just a historical problem, because obviously that was very a very cleverly worded statement that they put out to the media, basically yeah. saying, well, you know, it's part of our history, and we're going to yeah. get rid of it, and we're we're clear now, we're all good. Yeah. Right. But you know, first they obviously have to acknowledge that. And no, it's not just part of your history; it's part of your present. Yeah. Um. And what are you going to do about it? That's right. So, it's not the end; it's the beginning. Right. And right. there should be much more, yeah. uh, much more to come because yeah. we certainly don't have uh, a child in the womb to spare. Absolutely. That's a great way to think about it. So, all right. Well, thank you, Roland. appreciate that. Great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CareCast. For more pro-abundant life commentary and practical resources, please visit care-net.org. There you can subscribe to the Abundant Life blog, giving you access to videos, ebooks, podcasts, and other resources to help turn your pro-life passion into pro-abundant life action. Until next time, we pray that God blesses you and yours daily.